Victim to Victor by Anu Verma Chapter 3 Wild and Crazy When I was 18 years old, I went to nightclubs with my friends. It was exciting to be part of a crowd. The loud noise, lights, guys and drinking alcohol impressed me. I was so comfort eating so I was carrying more weight than usual and wasn't feeling particularly great about myself. Going clubbing and drinking helped me to forget about reality and I flirted with men who were there because for a moment I felt as though I had power over them. This felt unusual yet it was exciting. Children in general have very little control over adult actions and abused children have this flaunted and used against them with threats such as I'll hurt your family if you say anything or nobody will believe you if you tell them. My power had been taken away from me at a very young age when I was sexually molested. I was too young to consent to the men who took advantage of me which led to me wanting to gain this power back when I was old enough to consent. Being intoxicated in nightclubs and being exposed to men gave me the perfect setting to do this. I was finally doing what I wanted and I was having fun. However, I soon realised that I was fooling myself. One particular night ended badly and left me yet again with a loss of self-esteem. I'd gone to a club with a friend and she invited her boyfriend and his friend to come along. This friend was an older man who was there to keep me company so I wouldn't be on my own in the club. I thought at first that this was a kind gesture, but I was wrong. All this man wanted to do was to kiss and touch me. It was awful. He was so much older than me and I didn't like him. When I turned my head away to stop him from kissing me, he headbutted me. I fell over and had broken my nose. My nose didn't heal properly afterward, which caused me a lot of pain and suffering. I eventually had to get this surgically fixed. This was all because I had been afraid of getting myself into a situation where I might be abused again and I had stood up for myself. Nothing seemed to go right, whatever I did. I had enjoyed myself and it was the same again. Men assumed they could use me as a sexual toy with no consideration for my feelings. I didn't even know this man's name, his background or anything about him, except that he was the friend of a friend. I couldn't believe how many men had damaged my life by the time I was 18. I had been sexually abused, traumatised, molested and physically assaulted. Being physically attacked by him was the final straw. I was determined to protect myself in any way that I could after that. I had lost faith in men and just saw them as predators at this point. I was desperate for my life to change. I had to do something drastic for that to change and the simple answer was to find someone who loved me. So I started exploring my sexuality. I ventured out to see how it would be to be with a woman. I thought a woman wouldn't harm me as much as the men did. Women were kind and caring. There was a hard step for me to take. Eventually, I was actually forced to tell my mum, uh, but she refused to believe me. She shook her head sadly and I knew then that I couldn't expect to receive any support from her. Perhaps this decision was too drastic. I was still attracted to men and so not surprisingly, my lesbian days didn't last long. I became a bisexual instead. This meant that I could look for a loving relationship with either a man or a woman. 
How I felt didn't matter to anybody by this time. Nobody seemed interested that I still regarded myself as unworthy of love or infection. I received no support or help which I needed and I was still confused by what had happened to me. My emotions were in turmoil. The feelings of hurt, pain and confusion I had experienced when I was younger became uppermost in my mind. My self-worth had been damaged. I lacked self-esteem, I didn't value myself and I felt like I had nothing to offer. I was damaged good. All I could think of was that I had to find out who I was to be able to heal and to have a much better life. The problem was that I didn't know how to go about this and I began to experiment trying different things while hoping to find something which would be the answer. Chapter 4 My Dark Life I moved to Manchester in 1998 to go to university. I wanted to study more in biology as this was always a passion study. So following my passion would lead to a fulfilling career. My parents helped to fund my studies, which I'm hugely grateful for. I also believe that getting away from Coventry would give me the freedom that I needed to sort out my feelings. The people who took advantage of me until now had played too significant a part in my childhood innocence and the damage to my emotions. Once I was away, I might also escape from the demons which always haunted me. It would be a fresh start and I could live my own life. Unfortunately, I learned quickly that this would not be the case. Manchester City was also struggling to find itself after the death of the textile and its other traditional industries. There were continual reports of stabbings, domestic violence and back alley sexual encounters. The Irish Republican Army had bombed it and rebuilt and hosted Commonwealth Games before witnessing years of rapid growth. The revolution which it had undergone had produced mixed results. Modern buildings stood next to traditional architecture and the people seemed different compared to the people in Coventry. The cosmopolitan nature of the city, with its diverse cultures, opportunities and fun, excited me while the dangers simmering beneath the surface only made it so more. I had made some gay friends at university and we loved Manchester and its nightlife. I lived in student accommodations and there was always so much going on with various groups I hung out with and at the multiple parties that I attended. Soon I was sucked into a world of partying, drugs and wild drinking sessions. My desire for women also became more prominent so I could pursue my idea of being with a woman. I met many women mainly in clubs as there were always so many opportunities in Manchester. Being in such a diverse cultural city, I thought I had finally found myself as a bisexual, but my desires went even further than this. One evening I met Beth in a gay club. She was a gorgeous lady who was also a glamour model and I went home with her. There were a lot of professional photographs scattered around her enormous house. She had a husband, Joel, and both wanted to introduce an element of fun into their marriage. I spent that night with Beth and I felt safe when she touched me, but I couldn't let Joel do the same because of the previous situations I had been in with men. I could legally consent to have a sexual relationship. I was 18 years old and what we did was enjoyable. Even though we never saw each other again, I had found a new and exciting way to live. I was finally taking part in consensual and explorative sex which felt so different from the sexual encounters I had been used to from such a young age. I was able to control what was taking place. There was no force uh, which was longed upon me. 
and for this to take place provided a sense of freedom and a sense of liberation. When I think about it now, I was taking a considerable risk. My friends were shocked and distressed when they learnt how reckless I had become. But they didn't understand what was happening to me. I was still trying to escape my old life, without knowing who I was or what I ought to do. My wild behaviour was destructive and I soon felt very low about it. Why couldn't I just stop? I was struggling between the temporary feel-good as the moment versus the after-effects. It was like a sugar high which temporarily feels good. But then we are left feeling low and disappointed. The short-term high isn't worth the accompanying self-loathing. During my wild moments, I felt confident, I felt free, I felt happy, and that life was worth living as I was having so much fun. However, these wild moments were all alcohol and drug fueled, and I was no longer suffering from the damages of the past. The pain had gone, and for these moments, I felt worthy. I was confused in my late teens and early 20s. I understood nothing about relationships or how to respect my body, how to love myself or how to give to others. I was utterly clueless. Relationships with men and women were very shallow as I just thought it involved me giving myself to them and then that's it. It was heartless, I was not understood and I did not understand people. My escape was losing myself by intoxication and that's all I lived for at the time. According to Dr Amy Norgal of the National Violence Against Women Prevention Research Centre, being molested at a young age increases an individual's risk of experiencing major depressive episodes at a rate of four times more than those who have not experienced molestation. These children feel isolated and need something to prove their worth. I was suffering from depression at that time. I was desperate too. Sexual assault, low self-esteem and lack of identity had led to my wild behaviour. I also had feelings of self-destruction, in which case suicide had become my next adventure. Suicide. My depressive symptoms were severe. They ranged from prolonged sadness to changes in my sleep pattern. I suffered from anger, agitation and anxiety. I was pessimistic and indifferent. I thought about death a lot, including suicide. I felt guilty and worthless. I was crying out for love and the true light within me to burn brighter. I knew that it could if the right person found me. I often had thoughts of not being in my physical form and only existing as spirit. I could be free and float around as I pleased as a spirit. Nobody would see me and I would not have to be somebody I was not. I would not be stuck in an identity crisis as a spirit. I longed to reach the stage of my life sooner rather than later. This is how my thoughts of suicide arose. I would get these thoughts usually when I was intoxicated or when I felt lonely. There were a few incidents throughout my years at university when we would go to clubs and I would drink too much and then take more drugs than my body could tolerate and I would end up a mess on the floor and be escorted home or to the hospital. These nights of destruction raised concerns amongst my friends though nobody understood or knew what was happening or going on with me. I never even understood what was happening to myself, why I was feeling these dark thoughts and why I was self-destructing to the point of death. I was into the late 90s trance and techno culture and so I loved attending festivals which played this music. Being at festivals I felt so free and I hadn't experienced as much fun as I did when I was at a festival. 
whether for one day or free staying in a tent, I had a habit of leaving my friends just to be by myself. My friends worried about me going off for hours on end, though I was having the time of my life absorbing the atmosphere, the music, the freedom. I felt carefree. It was great. At one particular festival in Liverpool, he ended up the opposite of great as I awoke in casualty. What had happened was that I met a group of lads and we were laughing and joking and one of them, a nice chap, bought me a drink. All I could recall was drinking and then finding myself waking up with four doctors and nurses above me trying to gain my consciousness. I'd collapsed in the dance tent because whatever drug the nice chap placed in my drink had adverse effect on me and then apparently a festival ambulance was called to take me into the casualty tent. There was no sign of these chaps or my friends. I was alone trying to recuperate from this toxic substance. It happens a lot, the nurse explained. Isn't there anything you can do? I asked. Well, we always advise girls not to accept drinks from strangers, she shrugged. It struck me how it was my fault for taking the drink, not the man's fault for drugging me. Do you know if anything else happened to me? I asked, rather worriedly. She looked down at her shoes. I don't know, sweetheart. It's not a yes, but it's not a no either. She didn't know, and I never would know, if I had been taken advantage of not. I could only wish that nothing terrible had happened. After some rest and a cup of tea, I was free to leave the casualty tent and find my friends to reunite with them and to forget about what had happened. Even though I was out at clubs or festivals, I didn't actively seek to end my life. The danger of the substances could have ended my life very easily. I had some incidents where I actively attempted to end my life. One particular incident was when my friend and I were invited to an after-club party. The party was in a block of flats. It was a tall building of 40 floors and there was a balcony where a few others were talking and the music was blasting. I had drunk a lot and was under the influence of drugs and was feeling low. I knew that alcohol was a depressant for me. It always was. Therefore, why I took drugs to help counteract this depressiveness. On this particular night, the drugs never worked and I was feeling lower than ever. I wanted to end this feeling and for the sadness to go away. And I wished I did not have to live longer because my life was a mess. I felt that I would never get better. I would always fail and I would always lose. These dark thoughts dominated my mind and I went up to the balcony and went climbing over the top to jump off. And hopefully I could fly away into the darkness and nobody would ever see me or my irrelevance in the world. My friend had caught me and screamed at me to stop and came running to pull me down. What are you doing? She shouted at me. I was in a daze and just shrugged at her. I have no idea, Shaz. Thanks for saving me. Let's go and party. My attitude to these attempts was very blasé and because of this lack of care, my friends never really had much to say and so shrugged it off. This was the same during my club incidents and ended up in casualty at the hospital I can never really explain why I did anything and maybe this was due to my lack of communication skills growing up and the suppression that I suffered. Communicating my feelings would always remain an issue in my life until I sought help and found a better way. The next time my attempt at suicide happened I was staying in Gran Canaria with friends. I climbed onto a second story balcony and over the railing getting ready to jump. My friends shouted and screamed at me to stop until they finally managed to drag me backward to safety. They were horrified that I had tried to end my life. 
confused and frightened too that I would try again. They tried their best to persuade me to stop thinking about it. I remember shrugging off their concerns as if it didn't matter, but I still bear the scars on my stomach from where they pulled me off the railings that day. They were rough with me in their haste to save my life and it's something I will never forget. My third desire to end my life occurred when I had entered into an abusive relationship. So all the dark thoughts had come back to me. I had again lost my feelings of self-worth, lost my power and my self-respect. I was walking along a busy street with my partner at the time. Cars speeding past were too much of a temptation. I walked along this busy road hoping to get hit but then I was pulled back by him. I was unsure why he saved me because his intentions for me weren't healthy. He asked me repeatedly what I thought I was doing and I laughed. I realised that I must have seemed unconcerned to him but these dark thoughts ruled my mind. I don't think I completely lost this feeling but things began to happen then which made me realise that being alive might not be as bad as I thought. The bar life. I began working full time in a bar where I quickly became the supervisor. I felt on top of the world because I had been promoted. Somebody had finally believed in my abilities and had entrusted me with additional responsibilities. I never knew I had it in me to reach a position of authority. I never realised how important control was in my life. The ability to make choices, even if I make the wrong choices. Given all of this responsibility and freedom, I struggled and my behaviour once again became manic. I threw the craziest parties at the bar while the boss was away. I treated my customers to free drinks. My name was linked to partying and having a good time. While I was doing this, I also had classes to attend at university and there were days when I was so hungover that I couldn't get out of bed. My bar gig was paying good money. I had made new friends, but after a while, I couldn't help questioning whether there was this life that I ever wanted or the career that I could have, have ever wanted for the rest of my life. I was working 40 hours per week and still attending university. I wasn't studying as much as I should have. I was busy and never minded the parties which went on until late. I was eventually sacked from this role as the owner had seen the CCTV footage of the parties that I was throwing while she was away. She simply called me and said, I've seen the video and you are not welcome here anymore. So that was the end of the bar work. Fortunately, I'd saved my wages and I began instead to study harder. So maybe being sacked was a blessing. I went to classes intending to graduate. If I could graduate, then I promised myself a trip around the world. If I could travel for six months before settling down to my career, this decision made me feel as if I had finally got my act together. In the end, my around-the-world adventure in six months turned into 16 months of pure excitement and escape. Thank you for listening to Victim to Victor by Anu Verma. If you do wish to find out more about my story, my life, if you wish to listen to some meditations or to read some interesting articles and blogs, then please head on over to my website, which is www.victimtovictor.net. That's a victim two with a number two, victor.net. 
if you do wish to um, carry on listening to my book or to even download my book on Kindle or to um, order a hard copy of my book, then please head on over to Amazon and also to Audible where you'll be able to find my book. And I do wish that you enjoy the rest of my book. And it'll be great if you could also leave some comments at the bottom of this and to also leave me a review. That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and uh, doing this podcast. And I hope you found it useful. And I look forward to the next one. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you.